Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Seekers Quest. Um, I, I am uh, I'm Radha Priti, and I have Chaitanya Charan here with me, and Veda Sarprabhu. Veda Sars joined us after a week off, so it's good to have you back, Veda. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, we missed you. So, how are you guys this morning? I'm doing well, Veda. We are concerned about you. Hope your health is recovered. Yes, the material body is a beautiful vessel that we have, and sometimes it needs attention. So, yes, things are good now. Mm. I'm that both of you and those in our Seekers Quest community around the world. Yeah, so I think today we're going to talk about um, boundaries in love. And this kind of stemmed from our last subject, um, where we talked about love, how love can either transform you or deform you. Is that is that what we said? Yeah, yes, transform or deform. Yeah. Yeah, and it. I haven't used that word in such a long time, and I haven't heard that word in such a long time. (laughs) It was it was a good podcast. Did you get the chance to listen to it, Veda? I honestly have not yet. Okay, well, it was um, within that we talked about boundaries in love. We talked about how when you want to tell somebody no, sometimes it's really difficult because you fear a withdrawal of love. And I kind of gave some examples of, of how that, how I've had experience with that. And CC pointed out that in telling somebody, no, um, you, you are building respect into the relationship. And with that, the relationship becomes much more authentic and real and um, so it was kind of a, when we were talking about it, we were like, wow, this could be a whole subject of itself. And so we thought we'd we'd kind of start off talking about that today. Yeah. So one effect predictably that what we fear is it can strain the relationship, straining of the relationship. That's possible. But another possibility is also actually strengthening of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because straining because the other person, other feels rejected or neglected or whatever. Mm-hmm. But strengthening could be happen. Other appreciates us more. Now this may not happen Im- immediately. Um, okay, four. More comes to the fore automatically sometimes. <laughs> so, um, what did you say? Effect of it? No, I was ra- wanting to write more, but I ra- ended up writing four. So no, I just changed that. From what uh, on the left you drafted? Effect of. When you say no, when you say no to someone in a relationship, they want us to do something, and we say no. Okay. So what happens by that? One is that the straining and straining of the relationship can happen because the other person feels rejected. Hmm? But 
the strengthening of the relationship can happen also because they understand that we are the person also understands us more accepts us more okay this is who you are this is what you stand for and you know, if there is it's going to be healthy relationship it cannot be simply a relationship where one person is demanding and another person is giving it's uh, it's not a very fulfilling relationship that's why people don't want people want may want robots as servants but people don't want robots as partners or love interests because we don't want just compliance in a relationship so we want reciprocation it's it's so we, can we can we spend a little bit more time on that one yeah definitely this quickly or this so you know we don't want simply generally we are afraid only def only defiance rejection that's not healthy in a relationship but whatever you tell i won't do it but only like capitulation submission solely in the relationship that generally not healthy so we want some reciprocation in the relationship this is i do something you do something so two distinct individuals are coming together in a relationship that's the broad theme yeah is you would like to reflect on this yeah can you go up a little bit again sure please effect of no in a relationship you know as soon as when we say the no that means we're saying yes to someone or something so i think it's so uh, it's so beautiful when we when you put these two points there strain straining that others feel rejected and strengthening others appreciate us more i think a lot of the times when i have this when i have to say no to someone mm. it's it's for me it's a meditation of self care self love like i need time for myself because i think in the world we are constantly giving 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 especially those who are on the path of bhakti this could be a little bit of a uh 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 i mean almost like a little bit of a trap i feel that because you're just giving 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 and you never give yourself the time but of course although in giving you receive which is what we understand in bhakti philosophy but when we basic things when we say no to someone we're saying yes to ourselves and it's okay to say yes to yourself sometimes and those that you truly love or that truly love you will realize that it's good that you said no because it's you're saying yes to yourself and you need a little bit more time by yourself or to do whatever you're doing so i think if the relationship is mature when someone says no you're able to re uh, respect that because you're respecting the fact that they're also putting themselves in the equation and not taking themselves out of the equation because we forget ourselves in in taking care of others that's something that i've realized rada pretty mm -hmm. your thoughts yeah that was really good um i was just thinking i was reflecting back cuz this was something this is something that i've kind of always struggled with saying no and I I think I talked about this a little on the last show when I started saying no to people and people weren't used to it 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 really was made relationships difficult but what I also saw is 
relationships kind of like what CC was saying, relationships that weren't really that strong anyway, just kind of started to fall away. And then it, and then that kind of opened the door for me to have, to show up differently and have stronger relationships. And I like this, if, if you go up a little bit where you said reciprocation, yeah, right. With the reciprocation in relationships, it's, it's, um, when I think about that, I think like before when I was in the kind of relationships where I was just a yes person and I was just kind of doing whatever the other person wanted, there was no opportunity for the other person to really get to know me or show up for me or understand my feelings, wants, or desires. So in that way, I didn't really feel that close to them. So when the relationship, when I started saying no and the relationship kind of fell away, I was almost like relieved, like, oh, wow, that was more of a burden than really something that I was getting much from. So just the importance in a relationship of, of both parties showing up and in the mood of like understanding the other person and being there for the other person and allowing the other person to be different than them or to want something different than them or to have different feelings or thoughts or desires. It's like so important in relationships. I think one point that you just made, uh, it, it's, it's a big uh, point that I have noticed is when you say no to someone and they leave the relationship, it just means the relationship was a one-sided relationship where they were the dominant one and you were supposed to be the subject and they're the object. And the minute you try to, uh, you know, stand up, just stick your head out of the sand and then everything falls apart. It just means that sometimes that is the situation of being in a very, very toxic relationship. That's yeah. That's something that I've also noticed. And I also feel the relationship, what is the content of the relationship is, I think is very, very critical, whether this relationship lasts or don't, doesn't last. And I think before we get into a relationship, we have to see what is the content of the relationship. I think most people get into relationships because they feel they need to have someone, there's something missing in themselves. That is the foundation of relationships. So if the content of the relationship is that you feel that you need someone to complete you or you need a companion means there's something missing in yourself. Why don't we reevaluate that first? So I think before we get into the, you know, the, the crux of the relationship, we have to find the content of the relationship. Is it is it a partnership or is it that, you know, I'm the boss and you just follow whatever I ask you to do. So what would be the other, if it's not need to feel complete, it is generally, I was, when you're talking about this, I was talking about all this in terms of thinking about all this in terms of how we talk in the path of bhakti also, that if we have some desire and if we make some offer some prayer and that prayer is not fulfilled, if people go away from God, then that also indicates that they were not really serious about their relationship with God. It's, I feel so, it's true. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's the whole theme of 7.16 in the Bhagavad Gita, where it says so, that people come to God with particular desires, with the divine, and know from the divine basically means 
they end up with no to the divine mm. and then that indicates it's more of preliminary or superficial devotion preliminary devotion it is and then later in 7.19 is not talks about this mythic this mythic actually lifetimes of spiritual evolution but when such evolution happens then despite the same no from the divine they understand that is the connection with the divine is the supreme blessing still there is a yes to the divine because the different vision here is the here we see divine as the source of blessings source of what i want but here we see the divine himself as the blessing is the embodiment of blessings so to have the divine presence in our lord that itself is fulfilling so as we say krishna is krishna's greatest present or krishna's remembrance krishna's presence in our heart krishna's presence is krishna's greatest present we see in the bhakti tradition so that dynamic applies in our spiritual path also Mm-hmm. Can we read that real quick? Seven sixteen. I just, I just seven, seven, it You said you referenced seven sixteen and seven nineteen. I think it might be nice to read those verses. Yeah, seven fourteen sixteen talks about uh, different kinds of people who surrender to approach Krishna, and seven nineteen talks about how one who is fully devoted to Krishna. Sure. So, Ramit, so in seven. Yeah, sure. You want to share the screen or you just read it out straight? I'll just I'll just read it. Sure. So 716 is oh best among the bartas four kinds of pious men begin to render devotional service unto me the distressed the desirer of wealth the inquisitive and he who is searching for knowledge of the absolute. So what you're saying is that when somebody is is new and not very mature in their relationship with God they come to God for one of these four reasons. which is good but it's a little bit conditional it could be it can be a little bit conditional and that if god doesn't fulfill their desires they're they're apt to leave so yes, that's true. that's kind of indicative of of like um like a neophyte like a very new person very kind of immature relationship with god yes yeah, true and then in 719 says after many births and deaths he who is actually in knowledge surrenders unto me knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is such a great soul is very rare so this is a person who's been around for a while and has kind of come to understand um that no doesn't mean the absence of love it actually means more love <sighs> Yes. Actually. True. And it Literally. and they they use that no to deepen their relationship with God. Veda and I were just talking about this yesterday actually and that when we go through some when we go through some of these obstacles in life or we go through hard times or things don't turn out the way that we thought they would or we wanted them to, it it really just brings us closer to God and we can look at it and say, "Wow, I really needed that in my life." to to deepen my relationship with god 
Mm. That's a good way of looking at it. Not sure whether you want to go in this direction of the relationship with God. It is, it is a bit of a tangent, but exactly. yeah, I, was, I think we should go back to your uh, pendulum. I I I, I sure. feel there's so much to unravel on that one. Yeah. So Veda, I was just asking this question that one is if we enter into a relationship because we need to feel complete. What could be the other reason why of somebody entering into a relationship? Because we are vulnerable. Vulnerable How is, the, uh, is weakness. We need we we we. No, no. So isn't is that the same thing? I feel un, I feel vulnerable. That's why I need someone to complete me. So what would be a healthy way to healthy reason for entering into the relationship? So this would be like the deform. The transform would be like somebody like you. You want a partner to to grow with and be inspired by. I mean, it's hard to really go at it by your completely by yourself. Even like in spiritual life, we talk about how a, a important association is. So we need to be around people or be connected to people that inspire us to to transform to to grow higher. So I would, yeah, I think yeah, also something like there's a fundamental something like insecurity over here. It's not just incompleteness because everybody feels incomplete. Nobody is complete in themselves. But I think it's that incompleteness which leads to a sense of insecurity, a deeper insecurity that makes one feel not just a need, but almost a clinginess. There's a dependence, and that is where it becomes problematic. We are social creatures, so in one sense, um, can we, we need. Dive, can we dig a deeper hole in this one? Yeah, <laughs> I think that when we say, you know, we we don't feel complete, but that that incomplete has various dimensions, Prabhu, because I've noticed that sometimes people get into relationships. Because they just need someone to take care of them. Sometimes they're in, they they feel incomplete because they you know they're just beaten down and they're sad and depressed and and they feel that having somebody would would give them a sense of security. So there is incompleteness has so many different layers of dimensions because people don't just get into a relationship thinking okay I just need someone to add to my life. It's way more than that. Some people. What about a person at their very healthiest? What data? I think that's what CC is asking us too. Like a person at their very healthiest, what's their motivation for getting into a relationship? To have a partner, to to enjoy life with another person together. So it's it's the it's the need of partnership. It's the need for you know to be able to share whatever you're going to experience in life. And what's the difference between that and? And the motive of overcoming insecurity. I guess if you're in that kind of mood where you're looking for a partner to share life, you're probably looking more. You've, you hopefully you've got to the point where you recognize that you you feel more love by giving than receiving. So you're looking more to you're you're looking more for that kind of relationship as opposed to what can I get from this relationship? How can I fill up my cup? How can I how can I um get rid of my insecurity as opposed yeah. to how can I give to this person? How can I make them happy? How can I enhance their lives or their life? 
yeah i was just thinking of drawing something here so it is if one person is independence and one person is independent and other has dependence then in the long run that relationship can be unhealthy but actually it is independence to interdependence that is healthy so basically when two people are independent they can function independently and then they seek to be interdependent so that they can grow that that is what is valuable Mm. Yeah, this is a very good point. I like that one too. So you could have D one and D two. That's that's like unhealthy squared, you can say, isn't it? But so D one is dependent one. You could have dependent one and uh, I will use independent one. This is also unhealthy. You could have oh, sorry, independent two. the other way also now if you have the healthy and one would be sorry if you have d1 and interdependent i'm using it to this is i'm not sure this will be a question mark the interdependent person would like to rise upward but basically you could say interdependent one and interdependent independent one independent two they come together and they develop a healthy relationship i'll just delete this part so it's basically like both people need to kind of like what veda was saying both people need to be fulfilled in themselves before really even a healthy relationship is possible and coming together because as long as those one of those two people isn't fulfilled in themselves then the relationship is kind of lopsided yes right I, I'm I'm not sure fulfilled because fulfilled is a very big thing. Maybe I would just say somewhat secure. Because mm. who in one sense can be who can who can say that they are fulfilled in the world? And you can't really stop to be stop having relationships till we are fulfilled. So, so some level, some basic level of security is required. That's how I would see that. Hmm. so that reciprocation where you put in the pendulum in the middle this is what you're talking about yes true when there is a healthy reciprocation now of course you could say in a parent child relationship there is always the sense of dependence and independence the parent has to be independent and the child is dependent but then you could say that if you have a parent child relationship the healthy relationship will be where the dynamic changes so you could say initially it's almost like the parent and the child but as the child grows up it becomes as the child grows up further eventually they come to the level more or less they are equal so this is a you could say the healthy growth so healthy growth would be the best parents are those who actually train their children to be able to live and function without them isn't it yeah that's interesting i like what you just drew there you know it's almost like when we talk about coming into a relationship and be having enough security within yourself it's almost like that putting on your own oxygen mask before you put on others because 
you you really unless you're secure in yourself if you partner up with somebody else you're just going to be taking out your own insecurities on that person which is going to be destructive to both yourself and the other person so it's like before even pursuing a relationship better to like check yourself and and give yourself that time and space to really develop the, a level of security and a level of comfortability with yourself before bonding with somebody else one because it will be healthier but two because you're only going to attract somebody that's at the same level of healthiness or security that you are that's just like the way that it works right so the more that you can work on yourself and grow yourself even the better partner that you'll attract yeah you know yeah. i i do this uh in one of my retreats uh, that i do i focus a lot of um, emphasis on this before you get into any relationship even with god you should first find out why do you want a relationship and then first you know identify you know if you can who you are define who you are and why you need a relationship and then jump into it before you answer these two questions don't get into a relationship because otherwise you know relationships it's 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 just a uh, an emotional bond of something that is lacking emotionally or something that is lacking in you some emotional need to fulfill that we get into this relationships in india is a little different because i know sometimes in india it's arranged marriages and there's many other different equations but i've noticed in the west you know i just want to be with somebody that's and they think that's good enough but i think it should be a little bit deeper thought and this questions that we're presenting i think is very powerful what do you you just I said say, though i would say even in even in india what i'm noticing is parents want their children to be capable of uh, independence even that's why there is a significant emphasis on even girls daughters getting edu- well educated having employment so there is that recognition that uh, that total dependence can be unhealthy mm. so i think in the past also there was a extended support system of the extended family which would help so now it is different rather pretty you were going to say yeah please, i don't know i just felt like i kind of disagreed with something that you said when you said that even before you get in a relationship with god that i feel like no matter where you are how you are getting in a relationship with god is always a positive thing right like it can it's the one relationship that if you are really insecure can bring you to a a place of security okay i should i should i should explain myself when i said that <laughs> i felt like you know when we get into a relationship with god if we don't ask who we are and why we need god in our lives then that relationship sometimes have a tendency to be shallow and and you know if some things don't work out our way we're like yeah god you know you're never there for me you're just 
you're just a figment of somebody's imagination, you know. So let me live my life. You do your thing. Let me do my thing, you know. So I, I still felt that if we don't ask that question to ourselves, I don't feel like we're giving our intelligence an opportunity to participate in this process. Okay, so get like clear and deliberate about your intentions. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking more in terms of when you said that, that generally we don't really have a relationship with God directly. It is through someone. And the relationship with God is never unhealthy. But say, for example, can, there can be someone who teaches us a conception of God and God as an angry God who, and we always feel guilty. That can be harmful. So is it an unhealthy relationship with God or is it an unhealthy relationship with that person? I mean, you know, that person, maybe there's no controlling cleric in our life, no controlling priest or, or spiritually, but even then, their conception is controlling us. So yes, there is, it's a, it's a completely different psychology when it comes to God. But that, actually speaking, how are we entering into a relationship with him? Are we like one adult entering into another relationship with another adult? Or are we like a child entering with? I will take care. So, so we'll, we'll, which is it actually? So it, it needs to be carefully examined. So overall, I think that as you rightly said, this is uh, the relationship of the human with the divine is ultimately at one level, a relationship of dependence, because we can't even exist without God. So in one sense, if you consider at an ontological level, at ontological existential level, we can't even exist without God. But at the same time, it is at an emotional or a functional level, there has to be a certain level of independence. If that is not there, then that person, maybe when they begin, they are helpless. But eventually, if they're not, they don't, they don't become independent, and it's a, it is a problem eventually. So I agree that both aspects are there in this relationship. Anyway, yeah. you want to go ahead? Could we talk a little bit about the bhakti path and the relationship of student and teacher? And you kind of talked about it. You kind of said a little bit like your relationship with God is through another person oftentimes. So I'd feel like something I struggled with when I came into Bhakti is I felt like I needed to do everything my teachers told me to. And I feel like that narrative is kind of endorsed or can be kind of endorsed in some of our teachings. So it can be a little bit confusing, this this um, dichotomy that you make your spiritual progress by doing what your teachers tell you to. Um, where is the line there between, okay, whatever my teachers tell me to, I'm doing because that's how I make spiritual progress versus actually, I don't really feel comfortable with that. Or this is too much for me. I, I, I don't really want to take this on, or I just don't agree with that. I don't want to do it. When is it okay to say that? And not, and you know, not risk making spiritual progress. 
sorry if i understand your question that there is some some expectation made from us by god and you want to say no to that or by some teacher who represents god yeah i'm more talking about the relationship between student and teacher in bhakti it's a complex one but we'll oh. have cc started off or even elders in bhakti you know when you say oh how can i serve you and they say oh you can do this this and this but you don't really totally align with this this and this is it that we should just do it anyway and keep our mouth shut or should we say actually i don't really align with this this and this because of this i recognize you're my elder but i don't really think that's the right way to do it is that disrespectful am i not going to make progress in my spiritual life because i'm communicating that so i would say that if you are a spiritual student coming into the spiritual teacher the normal dynamic thought of th is thought of as a instruction but overall it does become negotiation it's sometime discussion negotiation we have this st story of a prince dhruva he his guru tells him a particular thing when he says i scanned and says i don't think i can do this and then his guru gives him a is a different kind of like kind of instruction and he finds that helpful he goes with that so is guru himself so i would say negotiation is required we have to be authentic this is something which doesn't work with work for me i don't think like this i don't function like this this is against who i am so i don't think there's any problem with that intrinsically veda you want to add something yeah i think uh, this whole relationship between a student and a teacher uh, it's a very sensitive relationship because the teacher represents you know what we call god or and 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 that's almighty all powerful and sometime in in bhakti traditions it's also said that teachers are seen like you know god themselves so when that uh hype is there then there is a problem so that's why i like when you put the point of negotiation you know narda who's the teacher who's the most elevated exalted eternally liberated uh teacher and he's got a 5 year old student and he's giving that boy the space to negotiate this is a real teacher to me because teachers who are on that level will actually negotiate will actually work with you where you're at and that's why that dynamic that you brought up between Dhruva that young prince and Narada i think it's so uh proper to understand this whole principle of negotiation how important it is and a teacher who's not ready to negotiate say you do it this way or uh you know i have some reservations when i hear that and here in this example you're seeing uh, a 5 year old kid negotiating with a teacher like you know it's too much for me this i can't do and the teacher is so kind and loving and compassionate and works with the student to make sure that the student can be brought up to a certain pace so this negotiation i feel comes with mat with mature teachers
and and teacher who's not ready to negotiate and wants you to bend, I think we'll just crack. So that'll be my two cents on this Rada Priti. No, it's helpful. Thank you. Let's say, uh, yeah. So I was thinking that when we talk about relationship, even the idea of a spiritual teacher, there is a feeling of dependence. But the point is not that the feeling of dependence has to be perpetual or perpetuated. It is actually meant to help the individual become independently thoughtful. And the world is a complex place and I don't know what to do. So I would like guidance, but eventually the best teachers are those who make themselves redundant. They are the teachers who speak and teach in such a way that, that people can function even in their absence. Mm. That's the, that's that, that, that students can function even in their absence. That is the kind of teacher we need really need. And if you have those kinds of teachers, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, because then you can develop almost a codependent relationship with your teacher where you feel like in their absence, you won't have God anymore. So therefore you do whatever they want to preserve the relationship. And that's unhealthy on both counts, right? I yeah, think, perfectly true. You know, sometimes I think of how a teacher and a student it is a, a relationship of empowerment. And unless and until we teach our students to be independently thoughtful, there is no empowerment. They're completely dependent on your guidance and your powers. But, but when the minute we are able to train them to be independently thoughtful, what we are literally doing is really giving them all the powers to grow and to help others grow and glow. I think this is what real empowerment is. Now, as a teacher, I got to imagine that it's different for different people, though. Like, you could probably recognize people that can have more space to be independently thoughtful and people that if you give them that much of a rope, they'll hang themselves because they're just not there. They're going to make decisions and they're pers- that aren't healthy and their perspectives are going to be flawed. So I imagine that's got to be difficult as a teacher even to make that differentiation of how long that rope should be for a person. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think that's where it's a personal relationship, isn't it? Mm. The rope has to be there, but can we have enough freedom that we can hang ourselves? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But can we also have such a short rope that we, that, that shortness of the rope chokes us? It's also possible. So in general, the middle way, the Bhagavad Gita talks about many places where the middle way regulated. So for example, not too much eating, not too much sleeping. So we could have two, two longer rope 
you hang yourself but then too short a rope you get suffocated you get choked so we don't want either of those somewhere in the middle way is what is the challenge i think one of the areas where i encountered this a lot is with parenting although i'm a monk people often ask me uh, parents when i stay with some of our devotees they ask about guidance on parenting i can talk about principles principle i don't have much practical experience but here you see that in general the american or the western parenting model is to give a longer rope um, that let them learn from their mistakes and then the indian parenting model is let them not commit any mistakes we a shorter rope so it just it's i think it a lot depends on the culture and the upbringing which will be more emphasized which will be less emphasized so what did you put in the middle of this pendulum mm well it's like a non answer whether <laughs> i <laughs> so the right left for growth whatever it is and this will as well actually as i said that's what i was trying to go get towards this there is this in the broad vedic context there is a desha kala patra sanskrit word that means you know place time and sometimes this word is used ca- candidate it can be candidate it can be circumstance both so it's what will be right for different people will different depend on different things mm. you know in 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 america they you know when people take the dogs out for a walk the leash is actually very very long but they don't use the full leash they don't let them have the full leash and they just as soon as it goes a little too far they just press the button and the dog can't go very far so is there such a thing in 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 spiritual life you give them a leash don't give them a big one you give them a big one but you control it so they can't use the whole thing to hang themselves mm so how is that done exactly the dogs play around but if they go too far then the leash strains them yeah they just press the button and the leash won't go anywhere oh you press it's the ret- button it's retractable it's a retractable right. leash so you don't have to pull also it just is press it yeah. yeah you don't have to push you don't have to pull mm. so i'm That's wondering tough. if there's such a thing in bhakti like this dog leash you know retractable dog leash you know i don't know whether i should feel intrigued or insulted basically <laughs> you're basically comparing you know can we treat humans like dogs basically <laughs> retractable leash <laughs> no i was thinking that too though like a good parent or a good teacher like when a when a child is really young they're very very dependent and they they almost need to be for survival 
But it, to your point, as the child gets older, the parent should be working to make to make it such that the child can make healthy decisions on their own is and is empowered to do so. And in that way can can, again, kind of lengthen what we're calling the leash, but kind of open up um, their their space to function. And if the parent doesn't or the teacher doesn't, it's probably more related to their own attachment or that teacher or parent's own um, attachment or dependence on the child or the student to fulfill some kind of their needs such that they're not really able to show up fully in that relationship for that child or student. And in that way, the teacher or the parent is not fully mature. Yeah, you know, this is a complex psychological analysis. Some people are dependent on, you could say their dependence, dependence on them. Yeah. So this is considered quite unhealthy. That means if the other person is not dependent on me, then who am I? What will I do? So it is at one level, we have a need to feel needed. But when that need to feel needed becomes uh, toxic, then rather than, so healthy is, you could say healthy is, seek or find, find someone who needs us. Like say the natural growth is, when parents take care of the child, children grow up. And over a period of time, the parents are centered only on the children and the children go from their homes. The parents are feeling like the, the nest has become empty. What do we do now? So, but eventually maybe they, they have grandchildren and they take care of the grandchildren. But, but the unhealthy way this need for needed is expressed is by for someone to need us. That means don't let them grow, don't let develop them develop the skills by which they can do what they need to do for their own growth. That can be quite unhealthy. So if you see in the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about the demoniac mentality and it's interesting that the Gita talks about demoniac mentality at a both at a gross level and at a subtle level. At a gross level, it just destroy your enemies. That how dare you challenge me? I will end your existence. But at a subtle level, it is it is more of manipulate your dependents or manipulate your subordinates, even your supporters, so that they stay dependent, so that they become more and more dependent. So that is quite dangerous. A person gets joy only when they are surrounded by their dependents and the dependents are constantly appreciating them, glorifying them, pampering their ego. 
and some people do that in such a way that they actually get to manipulate they manipulate others for that purpose i think i think you just summarized the whole world governance <laughs> you know how the media companies we are constantly being manipulated and they they are made us so dependent on technology and social media it's like it's insane so i think this is summarizing the the world that we live in yes true now it's such so tricky i i feel like i I've, i've had relationships with both kinds of people here and with people the gross that you described sometimes it's like even though it's more aggressive sometimes it's like better because at least you can see where they stand the subtle it's like sometimes you don't even know it's happening until it's until it's happened and then you're like oh my gosh what did i get myself into so that's a tricky one you know sometimes yeah. I, think, I was thinking sometimes how in other other ages the demonia people they literally just said hey you got a problem with me let's pull up some weapons and and just fight fight it out and this age they don't do that they're very cowards they they want to use all this means to make you more and more dependent so i think that it's a very interesting relationship that we have that the real demoniac natured people have become uh, uh smarter in the age of kali it seems like or less moral like the the demoniac people in other ages that's an interesting this- insight yeah I, i agree with you in one sense at least but definitely there is a greater greater subtlety greater strategy greater cunning involved in uh, controlling people it's to some extent also because there are resources like technology available and there is also a greater assertion of autonomy by people in general and also if there is this, also if you generally if a person has no fear of god You know, that is the person who needs to be the most feared because that person will have no boundaries just even in the background if somebody has that understanding that there is a higher being to whom I whom I'm accountable and that keeps the person at least within some boundaries of of civility sanity humanity something like that but all boundaries can be flouted if that person has no spiritual theistic higher dimension to their life or higher conception their life you are saying something other day i cut i didn't let you speak at that time no i was just thinking um kind of along that same line it brings you back to the us back to the importance like i'm thinking like well how this is so complex how do you avoid getting yourself into these kinds of situations because it can be really difficult and in this age of kali yuga it's everywhere these kinds of unhealthy relationship dynamics 
And so I'm thinking like, wow, how, how do you really guard yourself against this? And I come back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode and, and that you really get secure in who you are and who you're not. And for me, the only, the only thing that really felt right or satisfied me in that was recognition and realization of my relationship with God and, and what that is. And once I was able to really embrace that fully, then it was like these kinds of behaviors became even easier to see (laughs) in other people. And I was able to navigate relationships with people in a healthier way. But until I really stepped into that identity that, that I am a servant of God and that I'm part of a divine and that my soul is part of God, it, I wasn't able to really step away from any of this. Yeah. This is a, Subject we discussed briefly earlier uh, that how our vertical relationship with the divine also helps us improve our horizontal relationships. Yeah, because it becomes like your North Star that then you can fit everything else around. And if somebody wants you to do something that doesn't align with growing that relationship, then it's real easy to see, yeah, I'm not interested. And also your relationship with God is is really just growth in love it's like choosing love so it then it's really easy to see when the other person is trying to get you to choose something other than love because you've centered your priority in your life around growing that relationship which is again based on love so it it becomes does that make sense yeah it's a good theme and that the divine relationship is centered on love then we can discern what is love? Maybe we could discuss this uh, in a future podcast again. This is an important theme. Whether do you want to add something before yeah, you know, I summarize? Really like this, I really like this point that you you continuously make that and, and, and it should be the theme of all relationship discussions, which is that unless we have a vertical relationship no horizontal relationships will ever be complete. Because horizontal relationships are are, are, are material, is based on matter, and it is something that only remains in this world. It doesn't go beyond matter. And so as soon as we go vertical, then even these horizontal relationships are so blissful and so manageable and so loving and it's so relishable. So I think this is something that I always think of your quote, whenever I think of any relationships that unless there's vertical relationships, good luck with your horizontal relationships being successful. Yeah. Yeah. Nice way of putting it. The spectrum, you know, they're relishable or at least they're manageable. Otherwise, it's unmanageable, it's unbearable, it's intolerable. And that's definitely a problem. Yeah, let's discuss this more maybe in a future session. So, should I summarize now? Yes, please. So, we started today by discussing about the whole dynamic of how no 
in a relationship how it can either strengthen the relationship it can have positive effect or it can have a negative effect and that connection and discussed about how why the purpose of the relationship itself you want to look at that it could be out of insecurity so there i discussed about you know the idea of somebody's dependence as compared to you know there is sharing and growing which can be broadly done by people who have independence and then they move from independence toward interdependence and then that connection we also discuss how the same thing applies to vertical relationships and how even the to to our relationship with the divine we went in that direction briefly but the idea of a teacher student relationship also it's not just instruction it also has to be negotiation then discussed about how dependence dependence some people need that dependence dependence if that is needed it can be it can also force people to try to control others by keeping them unprepared to face life people giving them unequipped for life and then if and so here there could be gross where people are just forced and threatened and destroyed here we talked about in something like the demoniac mentality a gross where they are they subtly they manipulate and keep them dependent so that's especially dangerous and the last point we discussed was about about how the vertical relationship can actually help us balance the balance of the vertical and the horizontal relationships so thank you very much hari krishna thank you thank you